It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Reds Podcast. I'm James Erpine. It is great. And by great, I mean great to be with you on a Tuesday. Back at it in full swing here. Thank you guys so much for being patient. I've been out a lot over the past two weeks. I'm back. We're back. And uh, thanks to those of you who reached out, said you are missing the podcast. It uh, it certainly made me all uh, feel warm and fuzzy during my time off. But I'm energized. I'm refreshed. And let's dive into it because clearly it is my fault that the Reds uh, have stunk for most of the year. Had a bad April because I go away for a couple weeks, and now we they have their manager of their future. Uh, they've won a bunch of games, and they're going to be over 500 this year. I mean, it's crazy, the stuff that I'm hearing, but uh, let's dive into it. You can subscribe on the, the Locked on Reds podcast, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and every podcast posted at LockedOnReds.com. On Twitter, at James Erpina, not Locked on Reds. Yeah, the Reds, they lose yesterday, and uh, it was the first loss in, in eight games. They had won seven straight, swept the Cubs over the weekend. Uh, of course, they get hot, like I said, right when... When I'm away and not doing podcasts, not podcasting. Here's what I'll say about that in the win streak is it happens in baseball. Like I knew, like we all knew, you knew, when they started 3-18, and they were going to play better. Now, that doesn't mean they were going to be great. That doesn't mean they were going to be this dynamic team that made a playoff run or dramatic run back to 500. No, no, no. But we knew they were going to play better. And that's what I think is happening right now. They're, they're playing better. Uh, from what I've seen, things are going well. That being said, they're not going so well that they should retain Jim Riggleman. I, I would not remove the interim tag. And I talked about this on my, my show, Noon to One, uh, today on ESPN 1530. There's no way I would do that. Why would you do that? I, I would make it, what Jim Riggleman the most he can do, regardless of their record. They could win 87 games total this year, which means they'd have to win a hell of a lot between now and uh, September, between now and the end of the year. The reason I say that, though, they could go 85 and whatever, 87 and whatever. Jim Riggleman is trying to earn an interview. That's what it should be, period. An interview. If I'm the Reds, I'm conducting such a thorough search, and Dick Williams has said this, that's what they're going to do. He talked about it yesterday. It's just for no reason, and there's absolutely no reason, why I would remove the interim tag now. Is Jim Riggleman being recruited by a bunch of different Major League Baseball teams? No. Is there a chance that the the future Reds manager, the best candidate to be the next Reds manager, is Jim Riggleman? Sure, there's a chance. Is there? Is it more likely that the pool of candidates that they could interview is better than what they have in Jim Riggleman? I'd say yes. So I don't care what the results are. The most in my book, if I was running the shots, calling the shots, running the show, uh, as I get uh, that phrase confused, is simple. I want Jim Riggleman to prove that he deserves an interview. That's the most he can get. The interim label doesn't get shed until the interview process when we're interviewing all these different candidates. That's how I feel. Let's see how Chad Dotson feels. RedLegNation.com. He's on Twitter. At Dotson C, author of the Big 50, really good book 
on Amazon and in bookstores now. Also contributes to Cincinnati Magazine. And Chad, let's start there. Let's start with Jim Riggleman. What are your thoughts on potentially retaining Jim Riggleman? This whole narrative that's surrounding uh, the idea that the Reds need to hire Jim Riggleman now is just, it's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm not put too fine a point on it. You know, Riggleman is Riggleman. No smart teams have been beating down his door to hire him. There's no reason to think that Riggleman you know, won't be available after the season if the Reds want to hire him. But the Reds, this is, we're talking about a billion-dollar corporation here. It would be insanity not to go through a full-scale, in-depth hiring process, a search for the, uh, the best manager they can find. Now, Jim Riggleman should be one of the candidates in that, uh, in that search. Yeah, I don't have a problem interviewing him. And if at the end of that search, the Reds determine that Jim Riggleman is the best available manager on earth, then the Reds should hire Jim Riggleman. But if he's not the best available manager on earth, the Reds should hire the best available manager on earth. It was just, it's so obvious, and it would be ridiculous to go ahead and make a commitment to a, you know, a guy that's considered around the league to be pretty mediocre just because the Reds have won a few games here in the last two weeks. Yeah, it would be a very shoot-from-the-hip reactionary decision and one that, honestly, I think could set the organization back a while. And some don't believe, and rightfully so to a certain extent, that managers are that important. That being said, we've we've kind of waded through the Brian Price and the, the inevitability of that and how that was going to end, whether it was mid-year this year, whether it was last offseason or, or this upcoming offseason. Brian Price was like going to be the manager long term. They got through that. They, they went through all of that, that pain or struggle or whatever you want to say to get to a point where they can look at Barry Larkin. They can look at uh, Joe Girardi or whatever candidate that, that you want to throw out there. They can look at anyone. And the last thing I want them to do is look at Riggleman and the success he had, even if they get to 500, which I don't expect, even if they just play amazing, make him a candidate and consider him. But don't just bring him in and hire him when no one really thought. It's not like even two weeks ago when I went on vacation that people were talking about how Jim Riggleman should be the guy long term. Yeah, because when you say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous. Uh, Jim Riggleman, who quit on his last team and hasn't got an opportunity in the majors for uh, for good reason since, you know, and not that he's a bad manager, he should be a candidate for the job. Um, I, I think what you said about managers—they are not quite as important as some people think, but they're still important. And, and the Reds are at a point in this rebuilding process where they cannot make the mistake of not hiring the best guy they can find. And uh, and if they were to just sort of have this reactionary. Uh, you know, uh, moment and, and sign Jim Riggleman, it would really cause me serious concerns about the ability of this front office to make uh, the decisions that need to be made. Now, the flip side of that is Dick Williams has said, and he said as recently as yesterday, that no, we're going to have a we're going to have a search process to find the right manager. He sort of brushed away any thoughts of, of hiring Riggleman, but man, that narrative keeps growing and growing and growing, and it's just very frustrating for me. <laughs> He's Chad Dotson, RedLegNation.com. Check him out on Twitter, at DotsonC. And I agree, and, and that's why hopefully we've extingu- uh, extinguished any talk of, of removing that tag. Because he, here's the other thing. If I'm, uh, and, and I don't think there are many Reds fans out there, and rightfully so, that trust the front office, how weird, dumb, ignorant, whatever word you want to use would it look if they said, oh, man, 
Jim's had some success over the past month or over over the course of his time as interim manager. Let's just remove that tag and not conduct a full search. Like, I don't trust the powers that be enough to make that decision. Let's say it even ended up being the right one. It would just look bad knowing that the the play or that the the front office that made that decision were the ones making it. If that makes sense. Yeah, but I'm going to operate on the assumption that they're not going to uh, do that because yeah. that's what they're saying. But yeah, if, if, it, if it were to happen, it would be uh, really uh, cause for real concern among Reds fans that this team is doing things the same way that they've done it in the recent past, which is let's let's go cheap here. Let's just hire somebody because he's the guy that's right there. And with Brian Price, he might have been the best candidate. I, I think happen to think he probably was close to being the best candidate when he was hired, but the Reds didn't know hiring process. They interviewed one guy, Brian Price, a guy that was in-house. They didn't talk to people outside the organization. They didn't go do interviews with people outside the organization. They didn't really go find the best guy. Again, it might have been Brian Price. He was a really hot managerial candidate at that time. But if the Reds were to hire Riggleman like in, in sort of a similar situation, it would show me that uh, nothing has changed. Same old bunch. But I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. Yeah, I don't either, and I certainly hope it doesn't. Let's talk about some good stuff, including the, the winning streak. Obviously, it came to an end yesterday, but overall, the Reds playing really well. What, what stood out to you uh, during that seven-game win streak and, and during their wins uh, 10, 10 of 12? What stood out to you among the Reds? What really stood out to me is that it's a lot closer to being the team that we thought we were going to have at the beginning of the year in a lot of ways. Now, they hit exceptionally well, better during the last uh, couple of weeks than maybe we could expect. But the young pitchers started to go a little deeper into games. Um, you know, there was grand slam after grand slam, and it was just a, it was a fun team to watch. They were playing really, really well. And, uh, and you know, it's sort of where we thought they'd be not, you know, not winning 10 out of 12 or something like that. I didn't think they were going to be that good this year. But at the end of the year, I thought they were going to be a team that would have a chance to, you know, have stretches like this, but also be fairly competitive. And now that everybody's healthy and the young pitchers are getting a little experience and they're settling down a little bit, it's starting to look like a roughly 500 team. And that's uh, that's something. Yeah, it it is something. And you're right. It is what it's what I expected to see at some point. And I'm glad that we're seeing it, and hopefully it continues. And here's the thing. If if it does, you can still sell that narrative of whether whoever's managing the team in 2019, but if they do a few things in free agency, that they could be decent, maybe above 500 in 2019. If, if they won 68 games this year or, or even less than that, I know there's – uh, plenty of times where they they were on pace for to win less or uh, lose a hundred games. That would be awful for the uh, selling of this organization. If they surge here and can have a good second half run, heck, maybe there is a chance. Maybe there is hope after all that in 2019 they could be pretty good. No, I think there's absolutely hope if the front office who we've already discussed makes the right moves uh, in the off season before opening day of next year. I mean. If they go roughly 500 the rest of the season, they're going to avoid losing 90 games uh, for the fourth straight year, and that would be huge. Uh, the Reds haven't lost 90-plus games in uh, four straight years since the 1930s. So, uh, And they will have had an extended stretch of play where they're roughly a 500 team. When you start looking at a team like that, they've got a lot of information now at the end of the season. They can decide, here's the holes that we need to plug in, either by trade, trading some of the minor league talent that they have, or by going out and filling in with a free agent or two in, in targeted areas that will help them take a substantial leap 
next year. I think it's absolutely possible, but it's going to be 100% dependent on management and maybe, uh, more importantly, ownership being willing to take the plunge uh, in the offseason. And, uh, you know, it remains to be seen whether they will. If they do, I think they can be good. If they don't, then I'm, uh, it's going to be another situation where I'm a little bit concerned about uh, the way the team is run. Yeah, and speaking of uh, the organization, how it's run, they, they got some big decisions coming up. The trade deadline's looming. Uh, I want to get into Nick Senzel's injury as well. And, and maybe this is a, a good two-parter because Scooter Jeanette obviously mentioned in trade talks, uh, is Nick Senzel goes down out for the year now. Do you think that impacts at all what they could potentially do with uh, Scooter Jeanette? Well, it really shouldn't because Senzel's expected to make a full recovery and be ready for the beginning of the next season uh, easily for the beginning of the spring training or even before uh, playing the fall league. So it really shouldn't have any long-term impact on what the Reds decide is the best uh, way to address the Scooter Jeanette situation, which is do we sign him, do we keep him? If they are going to keep him, if they're going to try to sign him to an extension, they got to find out where he's going to play. Um, and now's the time to start playing him in that position if it's not going to be second base. I don't think it should be second base because he's really a poor defensive player at second base. Um, so is it going to be left field or right field? Uh, you know, let's start trying him there. Uh, th- th- this is a lost season where it's the only reason they should uh, be playing these games is to learn more information about their players. Maybe they've decided that uh, Nick Senzel is going to play left field or something. So if, if that's the case, they should have had him playing in the outfield in, in triple a this year but the fact that Sinzel got hurt and what a rough year for that kid with yeah. the vertigo problems with the now out for the season with a finger in injury having surgery and uh, with the reds refusal to let him have his major league debut as he had earned um tough year for that kid but that injury should not change the calculus for the reds as they decide how we're going to how we're going to fill in the gaps on this uh, to make this the next good Reds team. Yeah, and the thing with Senzel is, is now it's interesting, and I, I saw some of your tweets about this. Will he be up next year? Will he start with the big league club, or will he will he be down in AAA? Like that, that to me is really interesting because it seemed like it was a, a certainty that he was going to be up at some point this year and we were going to see him with the Reds, and uh, he was certainly hitting well in AAA, and instead now who knows when we see him. But we might be talking about a year away from seeing him in a Reds uniform? Well, if that's the case, again, I don't want to get too upset about things that the Reds front office might do. <laughs> you know, let's not jump the gun on, on that. But if he's not, if Snick Senzel is healthy and he's not on the opening day roster next year, then it's just a cynical way of putting together the roster. And it's, it's proof that the Reds have other concerns that are more important than a winning team which is saving Bob Castellani some money, in, in my opinion, is what that would be. If they wait uh, to call him up later in the year or wait till after he's what, past what's called the Super 2 deadline so they can uh, save some money in arbitration at some point, it's going to show me that they are not committed in 2019 to putting the best 25 players on the roster. Because there's no doubt in my mind that Nick Senzel is going to be one of the best players uh, next year uh, if he's healthy. And if the Reds go into this season, this coming season, 2019, the same way they did this year and last year and the year before and the year before by saying we have no interest in playing the best players that we have to at our disposal on the major league team, I'm done. I mean, I'm not dumb, but I'm going to lose a lot of interest because they're not they're not serious about competing in the near term. And uh, again, I don't want to get too upset about something that hasn't happened yet. But I don't think there's any way that the Reds are going to just knowing what I know about the Reds. That they're going to have him on the uh, 
opening day roster, and that's going to be extremely frustrating for Reds fans. Yeah, it'll certainly be be interesting to see. We mentioned the trade deadline, and Adam Duvall, according to Ken Rosenthal, Adam Duvall drawing a, quote, surprising amount of trade interest. Uh, your thoughts on the possibility of potentially trading an Adam Duvall before the deadline? Well, you know, if you can get something for him, some piece of value, with, you know, it doesn't have to be a you know top 20 prospect or anything, then I think you consider moving him. I'm, I've become of the opinion that uh, Duvall is really nothing more than a glorified fourth outfielder at this point. I hate to say that. It sounds awful uh, because he's, a, you know, he's an all-star and, and uh, a couple of 30 home run seasons and, and a great guy. But to me, he's not an everyday starter anymore. We're hitting 203, on-base is 283. I mean, this is just not a guy that's an everyday player. But if the Reds can't get anything of value for him in trade, I'm okay with keeping him and letting him be the fourth outfielder because what a great power bat off the bench. Um, you know, good defense if you want to make a late-inning defensive replacement. Uh, I don't have a problem with keeping Adam Duvall. I have a problem with keeping Adam Duvall and saying he's one of my starting corner outfielders. So uh, either way, we go. the Reds go there. Uh, you know, I, I think they're okay. He's relatively cheap. Uh, in terms of uh, he would be paid like a, a backup because he came up so late and his arbitration numbers aren't sky high yet. So I'm okay either way. It just uh, depends on what offers the Reds get for him. Yeah, no doubt about that. He's Chad Dotson, RedLegNation.com, author of The Big 50, also um, a contributor to Cincinnati Magazine. And uh, just last question for you as the, the Reds move forward. Is there... Something that stuck out from the winning streak or, or something that you're curious to see if it bleeds through, if it continues moving forward, if it sticks. Is, is there anything that maybe I missed being on vacation or anything that, that Reds fans should hope for moving forward that, that kind of translates long term? Yes. I mean, uh, I think the idea that Scott Schember has been sort of uh, de facto installed as a leadoff hitter is extremely interesting to me. You know, Shebra's had a great season, and people really don't realize that he's had one of the best seasons uh, of anyone in the organization. Um, he missed some time early, and so he got a little bit of a late start. But lately, he's been fantastic. And since he got moved to the leadoff spot, you know, he's hitting almost 400. Uh, he scored more than one run a game during that time. He's uh, really been a, a little bit of a revelation at at, uh, at the on-base in terms of being on base out of the leadoff spot. And uh, it's a really interesting idea. And we talk about Jim Riggleman, give him a little credit if it was him that said, hey, let's try Shebler there because I still like Jesse Winker as your leadoff hitter. But Shebler is uh, performing magnificently in that role. And uh, and I'm actually ready to start talking about Scott Shebler as the everyday center fielder um, because I think he's a guy that can be a key piece of the next good Reds team. See, now that's interesting to me. So if he's the everyday center fielder, then it makes Billy Hamilton maybe not – expendable but kind of expendable is that a guy that you'd you'd be willing to to move before the deadline as well oh it hurts me because really hamilton is my favorite player i love watching <laughs> that guy when he's doing the things he can do and i hate to feel like i'm saying something uh bad about billy but you know gotta be honest here i see him sort of in a similar fashion that i see adam duvall um if we, the rest could keep him and he's a you know a defensive replacement a great you know a pinch runner um, that's fine. He can be a fourth outfitter on a really good team. But if he's got some value on the trade market and you can get something for him, probably time to sign him because he's got one more year with the Reds before uh, they have to make a decision on a long-term contract. And I don't think they're going to sign him to a long-term contract. I'd like to be seeing the rest of this season whether Shebler could handle 
center field on a full-time basis. And if he can, great. The Reds have found a center fielder. If he can't, well, that's more information that we have, and you can decide whether or not you want to roll with, with Billy. Follow Chad on Twitter, at Dotson C. Check out The Big 50. It's a really good book in bookstores now and on Amazon. And uh, check him out as well at redlegnation.com. Chad, as always, man, I appreciate the time. Hopefully next time I'm bringing you on, it's, uh, it's because the Reds have won another 10 of 12. Yeah, let's keep this winning stuff. It's fun. It is fun. That's Chad Dotson, redlegnation.com. Good stuff there from Chad. And, uh, yeah, I, it, look, it's fun. I want it to continue. It's Reds and Braves tonight, and we'll see if it can continue. Look, I, I like the way the Reds are playing now. I didn't want to come back and talk about all this Regelman stuff, but we kind of have to because that's out there, and it, I just wanted to give you my thoughts on it. Matt Harvey on the mound tonight for the Reds, 735, first pitch in Atlanta, and uh, he's looking for his third win of the year, going up against Annabelle Sanchez, who comes in with a 3-1 and record and a 2.55 earned run average. So the Reds looking to get back on the winning side of things after losing their first in a while. I'm back in town, so it probably won't happen because, let's be honest, the reason the Reds, well, they, they went on a run like that was because of me being out of town. It had nothing to do with what happened on the on the in the ballpark. Especially how fun was that series sweep against the Cubs. Like I got to watch the games. I, I just I was out of town and got to watch the games, pay attention uh, a decent amount, no almost as much as I normally do. And it was just fun. The comeback like that it was a lot of fun. And I, I was hoping they'd win yesterday so we could talk about uh, a winning streak today. But it's all right. It's good. If you would have told me they'd be thirty two and forty six Heading into today, think about that. They were three and eighteen. They were three and eighteen. I, I mean, say what you want about them, but uh, they're twenty nine and twenty eight over their uh, after that horrific franchise awful start. Can they continue to get out of the hole? Be a good start if uh, Matt Harvey. They need Matt Harvey to pitch well from here on out. In uh, a big reason why is I want to trade him, <laughs> get something of value from Matt Harvey, and you do so. If he pitches well between now and the deadline, we'll be back at it tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Again, you can subscribe on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes, please. We'll be back at it every single day this week. Thank you guys again for being patient, and thank you so much for listening. Until tomorrow, I'm James Erpine, and thank you for listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. 